All right. We're live, Betsy, with the fancy introduction. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Wow Pod. I'm Betsy. I'm Jared. And today's show is gross. <laughs> Grossest show ever. This is this is your public service announcement to turn back now. <laughs> you know those signs just, like in Scooby Doo that they just keep driving past? What does it say in the beginning of Dante's Inferno? <laughs> Fear all ye that enter here. Or yeah. Like that. yeah, this show is that. Yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. It, it's an awful one. I turned Betsy on to this. She had never heard of it. The, and, pro- the problem is it's real. And you're going to get a little bit of a Jared's... Um, History lesson. Yeah, Jared's knowledge of inconsequence. <laughs> inconsequential inconsequential knowledge yes i mean knowledge that's pushed to the edges and and uh of no consequence anymore you guys will be able to hear a little bit of that today but uh so what do we want to kick off with so first because when you first sent me down this rabbit hole i had You're heard welcome, by the way yeah i had heard of the hall of Demore, mm-hmm. but i didn't I mean, I connected it because of Stalin. I didn't realize, A, that Stalin was like top of the food chain during the Holodomor, Mm -hmm. and that this was kind of like a piece of the Holodomor. So let's start off with, give us the rundown. What they didn't tell us in history class. (laughs) What is the Holodomor? Well... Not to sound like a crazy person, but everything focuses on the Holocaust. Everything. Which was awful. Awful, atrocious, but kind of before the world knew about the Holocaust massly, uh, Russia had been conquering, and not Russia, the USSR, the Bolsheviks, had been conquering um, as much of the Asian and Eastern European uh, territories as they could. Um, and I, I can't remember the name, but there's there's names in here that really, if you want to go down awesome history, read about the people who stood up to the Soviet regimes um, during this conquering time. There were uh, people in the Ukraine that were just heroes uh one guy was a cavalry captain who uh essentially fought the whole time and fought himself to death and sacrificed himself to uh try to keep his country uh sovereign from the soviet state anyway so um the the soviets move into the ukraine and start conquering and and they do a great purge, you know, kill all the leaders. I mean, the Soviets have a, the Soviets and the Nazis both had kind of the same policy. Move in, um, interview all the political leaders and the professors and the teachers and the Soviets were unique, not unique, I shouldn't say, because, uh, the Nazis were pretty bad about this too, and religious leaders. And if they don't toe the line completely, um, purge them, kill them all. Dispatch. Yeah. You, you can't have uh, anyone that can gather 
the forces against you around that. So they're going in, and I think we're looking at about a process of about um, seven years after they first invaded, and they had conquered it. They had destroyed their militaries, all that stuff. But the people kept having insurgent issues. And uh, Stalin is the old man now, and he comes up with a plan. And that plan is to do forced starvation in Ukraine. We're going to subdue them through their stomach. So his armies march in, and they confiscate every grain of wheat, every grain, every oat, every everything. They confiscate all of it. And people were murdered for hoarding one grain. Killed in their fields. Um, all the horror stories, you know, women are selling themselves for food. Um, women are raped, but that's uh, sad to say. Uh, that's in the history ides of every war. Um, you know, the victimization of the subdued populace is always there. Um and, you know, lots of heinous stories. And and a guy like Andre Chikatilo, which will be a future show of ours, is born of this. Um, they, but they do end up subduing Ukraine. And there were other countries involved in the subjugation. You know, Georgia being one of them. Uh, Stalin's homeland was not too pleased to be conquered by the Bolsheviks. But, yeah, and uh, so while they're starving people, there's stories that come out about um, cannibalization, about families selling children to other families or trading, horse trading their children back and forth for dinner. Like one family would sell their five-year-old son or trade them for the other family's six-year-old daughter so that they weren't, at least they weren't committing that ultimate of atrocity. On their own child. Yes. Good hell. Uh, the story goes that Andre uh, Chikatilo has a little sister that was sold for cannibalism, as the story goes. No verification. But mm. at the same time, and Betsy's about to dive into this, Stalin and his Politburo devises a, an ingenious idea and uh yeah ingenious although short-lived um february 1933 genrik yagoda who was at the time head of the ogpu secret police and matvey berman head of the gulag labor camp system proposed this grandiose plan to jo joseph stalin and from what I understand, he really didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, at any rate, the idea was to resettle up to 2 million people to Siberia and Kazakhstan in what they called special settlements. Now, these deportees or settlers were supposed to become self-sufficient 
farmers within two years, according to their plan. In the, like, least farmable piece of property. Let me let me explain it to you. It's like what the United States did with the Native Americans. Some of them went to okay places, but the majority went to places where you would have a hard time growing uh, dandelions. Yeah. So Yagoda and Berman's plan was based on the experience of deporting 2 million kulaks and other agricultural workers to the same area. Let me explain what a kulak is real quick. Yeah. So during the process of them taking over, uh, of course, uh, the Bolsheviks were a socialist organization. Bolshevik, funny enough, means majority party. And they had an opposite in the communist party, the Mensheviks. Which were the minority. They mean minority, but the Mensheviks had the most people and the Bolsheviks <laughs> had the fewest. It's Russians are hilarious like that. But anyway, so Kulaks were, in the beginning, any farmer who employed other people. And then it was any farmer who had more than one horse. Any farmer who, you know, was able to buy equipment, you know, things like that. And it boiled down to anyone that owned land. Yeah. Anyone of any level of influence. Well, not even influence. Just owning land. They just wanted their land. Yeah, that could be it. So they had done this before. And it was part of their de-kulakization policy. Um, however, at the time that they started this, the resources available to support the new plan had been severely limited by the ongoing famine that they had created. Mm -hmm. So the new plan is approved by the Council of People's Commissars of the USSR on the 11th of March, 1933. And quite shortly after that, it was days following the plan's approval, the number of prospective deportees was reduced to 1 million. So the original plan targeted several types of kulaks, peasants, urban elements, people living in the agricultural areas of the Soviet Union's Western territories, like the Ukrainian SSR, the Lower Volga, North Caucasus, Black Earth region, and in the Russia SFSR. So instead, many of the deportees were people from Moscow, Leningrad, and other cities who had been unable to obtain an internal passport. So they had this internal passport system, which basically said you were part of their party. You had to prove in some way that you belonged. Well, you joined the party. Um, you volunteered and joined the party. They probably did a, depending on where you were. I mean, remember Andre Chikatilo. The serial killer, the guy who sharpened his teeth so that in a later show, I'll tell you what he did with them, was a member of the party, which is how he got away. He got caught twice. 
Oh my gosh. And he got away because he was a member of the party. Didn't get investigated. Got caught pink handed and forced to let go. So this internal passport system was targeted and one of their objectives was to cleanse Moscow, Leningrad and other great urban centers of the elements not connected with production or administrative work, as well as Kulak's criminals and any antisocial or socially dangerous elements, they called them. Any in politically incorrect, a word you guys might hear often. Yeah. Politically incorrect is born of communist Russia. So they, they're, their police force or that those that were policing these deportations were given these really high uh, quotas that they had to meet. And so you hear of these stories of a guy who was taken from a train station with his internal passport in his hand, Mm -hmm. a nine year old little girl whose mom had turned around to purchase some vegetables. She was taken because she didn't have her internal passport. She was alone. And literally, they were back-to-back, her and her mom. And this went on and on and on, where they were just trying to meet their quota however or, they could. Or if they the soldiers would come into town, they would talk with their trusted uh, official of that town, and the official would say, yeah, I don't like that guy over there. Yeah. And that guy would be disappeared. Families would be disappeared. Entire families. So, according to the plan, so they round all these people up. Um, and according to the plan of Yagoda and Berman, the deportees would pass through transit camps, the Tomsk, Omsk, and Achinsk camps. Yeah, I'm glad I gave you this one. And then be moved on to ultimately what would become known as Cannibal Island. But it's Natsino. It just sounds like a Metallica song. It does. It's Natsino Island. So they, they load them all up and they put them on rail like a convoy. Um, oh, hold on. There was another group that political dissidents and (laughs) other people on rail cars. Yeah. Think of them later. (laughs) So this rail deports Moscow, April 30th. And another one left Leningrad on the 29th of April. So they're back to back. They both arrive for the ferry or the barge ride across this channel to get to the island. Now, this island is a tiny island. I think it's, what is it, uh, 10 miles by 6 miles? Yeah, or it's not very like big. It's a tiny island. And they have It's plans. swampy. Yeah, it's a swamp island in Siberia. So it's either frozen or swamp. Right. You can explain that as like 80% of Russia is either frozen or swamp. But they uh, they were supposed to set up a living thriving community there i don't think anyone was under any illusion that that was going to happen no 
I think they sent them there to punish. So they arrive, they arrive at these three camps on May 10th. The daily food ration during the trip was 300 grams, which is approximately 11 ounces of bread per person. But because they had gathered up criminal groups among those merchants and traders and landowners. So some of them were gang members. Some yeah. of them were at that time, I guess buccaneers might be the word for it. Some of them were smugglers, uh, you know, things like that. They were, they were, you know, black market folks. Um, I guess you, you wouldn't call them drug dealers then, but people who at the time, remember at the time uh, or just before this, alcohol was illegal. So we had Al Capone. They had their types of Al Capone over there as well. Correct. And they were on the train with all of these other people. So what ended up happening is these criminal groups among the other deportees beat to death several hundred deportees and stole their food and clothing before they ever even made it to these camps where they were going to wait to get over to the island. And the soldiers watched. And the soldiers watched. They didn't get involved because the people they were beating were political dissidents. Yeah. So, so the soldiers believed in it. And I'm going to finish when this is over. I'm going to finish out with the high note, but go on. So they were approximately, they were in these camps approximately eight days. And then they loaded them onto these barges. May 18th, they loaded them onto these barges. Now these barges were intended to haul logs and things like that. So we're not, we're talking very rough, you know, living conditions. Big flat bottom square floating things. So not only that, but they didn't take a roster of the disembarking deportees. On arrival, <clears throat> they did a head count and there were 322 women, 4,556 4, men, plus 27 bodies that died on the barge ride over. Over a third of the deportees, by the time they arrived at the island, were too weak to stand. May 27th, thousands more. Over 2,200 additional deportees arrive. It said that a fight broke out with the guards and they fired on deportees as um, the 20 tons of flour were deposited on the island and distribution began. So they, this is what they were sending to feed them. Now, let me dig into this for a second. She said 20 tons of flour. What they didn't deliver was pots. Anything. Ovens. Potable water. Yeah. And there was, if I remember, a dusting of three inches of snow on the ground. Yep. So they tried mixing the flour with snow into a bread and eating it raw. Yep. And then when that didn't work, as it continued to freeze harder, they started mixing it with river water, which led to dysentery. 
and that killed hundreds. Um, the deportees, I mean, I mean, this just goes on and on and on, but the deportees, as it starts to, you know, just civility starts to break down, starts to, they start to make primitive rafts trying to escape. Most of the rafts collapsed. Hundreds of corpses washed up on the shore below the island. And this is a regular town that's on both sides of this island, on both sides yes. of the river. Another thing is the guards left the island. After they dropped them off, the guards backed off and they did patrol boats. And the not only just patrol boats, but their, their patrol was simply to dispatch them if they caught them in the water. Yep. If they caught them in the water, just kill them. Yeah. Dispatch such a polished, clean It is. For, for murder. So, order on the island quickly breaks down. It, it literally devolves into chaos. Um, most of the majority of the population were city dwellers. Mind you, they started with Moscow and Leningrad. So we're not talking people who know how to farm. Yeah, at this time, most of the kulaks from Ukraine were already dead. And, and they, I, I, I shouldn't yeah. giggle about it, but... They had been going at them for six or seven years. They'd already killed them all. So the people they put over there lacked this basic agricultural knowledge about clearing and cultivation. And and then the sparsity of resource, resources leads to these gangs forming. And they began to terrorize and dominate the weaker settlers. People were frequently murdered in fights over food, money, and the bodies of those in possession of anything of value, such as gold gold fillings or crowns, were looted. Now, it gets so much worse. Prepare yourselves. Yeah. So, this goes unspoke about. Completely unspoke about until 1988. Um, in 1988... There are some eyewitness accounts starting to funnel in. One of them that really kind of sparks everything is um, there was a Nazino village that was nearby and a woman from Cannibal Island who was being transferred to another camp was brought to to this um, farmhouse to stay the night. The, the Nazino woman's name is Fiofila Bailina. And it is her, in a 1989 interview, it is her interview that really sparks everything. She says the woman was taken into the back room to spend the night and she had these bandages wrapped around her legs. And it was at that point that I asked her, what happened to you? And she said, they did that to me on the island of death. They cut them off and cooked them. So they had on a living person, cut the calves off and cooked them and to eat. 
When asked if he ate meat, human meat, another island prisoner told interrogators, no, 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 that is not true. I only ate livers and hearts. He described making skewers from willow branches, sliding pieces of human organs onto them and roasting them over a campfire. Another one went on to say that he had dispatched many people on the island and that he picked the ones who were not quite living but not quite dead yet. It was obvious they were about to go that in a day or two they'd give up, so it was easier for them that way, quickly without suffering for another two or three days. As we've learned from uh, the Donna Reed story, um, when they're that close to death, they have no nutritional value. So you're eating dead calories. Yeah. Yeah. So you're uh, used up. Yeah. So people were dying everywhere, one eyewitness reported. They were killing each other. On the island, there was a guard named Kostya Venakov. He was a young fellow who had been self-named a guard. As they started to like kind of separate into groups, they built their own guards. He fell in love with a girl who had been sent there and was courting her. He protected her. One day, he had to be away for a while. He told one of his comrades, take care of her. But with all the people there, the comrade couldn't do much, really. The people surrounded her, caught the girl, tied her to a poplar tree, cut off her breasts, her muscles, everything they could eat, everything. They were hungry. They had to eat. When Costia came back, she was still alive. He tried to save her, but she had lost too much blood. So... This really doesn't last long because it falls into last one year. Total chaos so quickly. Well, it that it, 13 months later they they just leave the whole plan behind. It goes beyond uh gulag. Gulag is a punishment work camp where they work you and they get something out of you. You know, you mine or or force they you become a slave to the state for whatever but this one they didn't plan it as that they planned it as we're just going to have them go start a community where good luck godspeed yeah like kind of how we all dream we could do with uh with pedophiles you know they they try to do that yeah and they they gave them they picked people who were ill-fitted for this whole plan. Almost like they were doing an awful test. Yes. And Russia then they, has a history of doing, or I should say the USSR has a history of doing horrendous tests. Like their sleep studies are notorious. Or their chimera studies are notorious. And... Yeah... Yeah. When they tried mating the dude and the gorilla, the dude and the chimp, or lady and a chimp. I don't know which way it went. They didn't go into particulars, and I haven't looked that hard for a video of that. Don't know why. You think that'd be on the top of my <laughs> Anyways, we got to insert some humor. Oh, okay. All right. Anything. Anything. Yes. So This uh, isn't humorous, though, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay, let me, uh, how do I get this? There we go. Finally left. 
so this happens in Bolivia. It's Bolivia, right? Second, I believe so. Okay, yes, it happens yes, in, in Bolivia, Achacachi, Bolivia. So they have a festival every year. It's called the Mother Earth Festival, and people go from miles and miles away, and they they have this big gathering you know lots of food lots of drink all of those things so hugo or victor hugo micah alvarez he's 30 at the time he started off this year's pachamama which is like mother earth festival with a bang he says after drinking heavily during the festival's opening on august 1st he winds up in achacachi bolivia so he kind of starts one place and then winds up in another place. Now, Bolivia is an in interesting country. I can't see them as like partiers, like, oomch, oomch, oomch. well, maybe, I don't know. I would like to visit Bolivia. They seem very mm -hmm. nice. I think that's where Sword in the Stone was, uh, was made. Yeah. In Bolivia. It's, they, they are considered a very, very friendly country. At any rate, I believe he's Bolivian as well. So he drinks too much and he passes out. So he says he went dancing and afterwards he doesn't remember much. The only thing he remembers is that he thought he was in his bed and he wanted to get up because he had to pee, you know, after you drink all night long. And he says, I couldn't move. So he was in a glass. It had like a glass window coffin and the dirt had started pouring in this reminds me of palo mayambe gosh so he wakes up just in time breaks the glass and pulls himself out of this coffin as the dirt like they're burying him <laughs> after crawling out he asks a nearby person for help um and and he says that they're all just completely flippant they're just not paying attention to him so here's what he believes he believes that he was being laid up as a human sacrifice to mother earth and that had he not woke up that would have been it that would have been it oh so he calls he gets a hold of the local police they don't believe him saying he was too drunk to know what happened and that he should come back when he was sober wouldn't that be funny though if the true story is he woke up leaning against like a trailer back door with a and glass he punched window, the window out, punched out, fought himself out. Oh shit. And then outside there's scarecrows cause it's a cornfield and he's yelling at him <laughs> to help him out. He's still drunk. Yeah. So I was like, gosh, damn. Not that that's what happened. I want to visit. I want to visit Bolivia, oh, I do but, too. but I, I don't want to, I don't want to get drunk and then be sacrificed to mother earth. Yeah, Bolivia, I'll pass on that. Named after Bolivar, who freed the Central Americans from the Spanish. Huge historic figure. Another bit of useless information from Jerry. I love it. You're welcome, folks. I love it. All right, back to the nasty story. Let's round this thing out. So they evacuate the island. No one talks about it. Mum's the word. Well, there's a little bit of difference. 
when Khrushchev opened up the archives, and this is all what I've heard, and the guards of the different gulags and the guards that patrolled that river got to read about what people were sent there for, um, a substantial number, like 15%, committed suicide. Because they thought they were being sent there for bad reasons? Yes. The guards were... Um, That's the problem with need-to-know basis. They were inconsolable over what they were a party to. Yeah, it was horrific. They, they uh, Many of them pulled their Makarov out and killed themselves. Oh, so they, they evacuate the island and no one speaks of it. I mean, really 55 years, no one speaks of it. We hear about the, even today, no one speaks of it, but we hear about the Holocaust and all of those things, but no one speaks of the Holodomor or Cannibal Island. Um, the grass on the island, because it's so swampy, does get really deep. And the locals gathered there after kind of this news breaks and um, started finding thousands of corpses in the grass. So they were cutting down these, this long grass trying to locate these remains. It is estimated. Now, this is an estimate given to us by Stalin's goons so take it with a grain of salt salt but 6,700 prisoners were brought there and it is estimated that 40 were identified as having been returned home yeah stolen uh you gotta remember in that country people didn't matter all that mattered was the party that's all they cared about so they're Hmm. There, uh, it's called a failed experiment, which makes me wonder if it really was just an experiment. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. They call it a failed experiment, so I'm guessing that that that's what it was. Was an experiment to see if you put ill-prepared people on terrible land with no supplies support like what would happen and i think it proved itself out it mm. slipped into chaos so quickly i think it was designed to yeah and from everything we know about stalin here's another funny anecdote about stalin is that he died of a stroke right He's getting older and sicker. His doctors are unable to fix him. So, yeah, I should really put a video warning for anyone watching this, some of the videos or some of the images flashed up here. This is from the Holodomor in Ukraine are awful. But anyways, so the doctors were unable to sort him out as he's getting older and sicker and uh he had started the process 
of having these doctors tried for crimes against the uh, against the the nation. And he had a stroke, and the doctors probably could have saved him. But they knew that he was starting the trial, so they didn't respond as he was <laughs> screaming and banging. And I love that. Dying. I love that. That's right. When it counted the most, he got what was coming to him. I mean, some of these images I'm showing for those of you watching, um, they're uh, atro uh, atrocious. They're heinous. Uh, the, the Communist Party, and I tried looking them up, and obviously I don't read Russian, but the Communist Party started hanging anti-cannibalism posters around the Ukraine at this time. Because it was happening so frequently. Because it was happening so frequently. Yeah. It was happening all the time. It, it is, it is, um, now, compared to all of human history, it's probably, I mean, the Golden Horde, the Mongols, what they did is uh, way worse than anything the Rus the communist Russians did. Way worse even than what Mao's uh, Red Army did, or Red Guard. And maybe we could cover that one day. Mao didn't like cats, so the Red Guard didn't like cats, and cats didn't fare well in China. Mm. Um, it, it's, it, you know, what the Mongols did in their conquerings, they'd roll into a city, Demand a surrender, and if you didn't surrender, they would attack, defeat you, and kill everyone except for the breeding age females uh, that was taller than the the hub of the wagon. Mm. And then the Mongol soldiers would have to line up, and they would have quotas to fill too of beheaded people. So we're talking every male over the age of seven. Beheaded. And their soldiers would have quotas of, you've got to behead 500 people today. Oh and they would have gosh. just lines of people. Yeah. All right. Let's go through the comments. Started out so nice. Mm -hmm. Shirley says, hi, guys. Hi, Shirley. <laughs> Glad you joined us today. Enjoy the nightmares. Ah. That's good. She looks good enough to eat Little Red Riding Hood shaking head. Are you talking about the picture? <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's making a joke. Ryan, hi. Laura, hello. Um, and everyone is saying uh, that's disgusting. Ryan finishes off with, good Lord, this is like hell on earth, literally. And it is. Um, yeah, and it's such a... It's a big piece of history that is not taught. Um, well, it, and let's say from our point of view, can we teach it? Because we sided with Uncle Joe during World War II. Well, I think we need to... And that was after this. I think we need to teach the things we've got right and the things we haven't. Well, ever the lover of... Uh, 
of FDR I am. Um, he fought for us to be friends with Uncle Joe. Mm. What a turd. <laughs> yeah. What a turd. Yeah, it's it's a it's an awful story. And communist Russia went on uh well they had they fell in what was it, eighty one? We told you or turn, turn back now. They fell in eighty nine. Um but they abused their people all through Stalin, partially through Khrushchev. Khrushchev though did open the the vault. Uh, he opened and, and released the paperwork. Okay. Should I finish off with the joke? Okay, let's hear a joke. About Khrushchev, right? Yeah, it's about Khrushchev. So Khrushchev, Stalin dies, Khrushchev becomes uh uh the the chairman of the of the Communist Party. Okay. And he goes into his office and he sits down at his desk and he opens up the drawer on the left and in the drawer on the left is, you know, paper clips and a stapler, whatever else. And he opens up the drawer on the right and there's a Makarov and an envelope. The envelope says, in case of emergency. Okay. He's going, okay. So he's cruising along and they start having a little bit of hiccups in the country. So Khrushchev opens a drawer up, opens up the envelope, and he says, write a letter blaming everything on me. And then if it still fails, write another letter to your successor and use the Makarov. Okay. It's love Stalin. <laughs> Only you would know a freaking Khrushchev joke. Actually, it's a joke for all communist leaders. Oh, okay. Because it's going to fail. It's going to fail. It's it's awful. Uh, but yeah, so that is... The grossest show ever. Cannibal Island or, or Devil's Island. Uh, it's called a lot of things. It's called a lot of things. Uh, there's a movie about the Holodomor. If you want to look into it a little more, I think... Um, Especially in reflection. There's several documentaries, but the movie's called Bitter Harvest. Yeah. Uh, in reflection as to what's going on right now in Ukraine, this has been building over there for 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? 14 years ago, Obama dealt with this and... Some say that our CIA caused a color revolution over there. If you don't know what a color revolution is, ask me later. <laughs> um, Ukrainians have a little uh, bitterness towards Russians. Yeah. Just like Chinese and Koreans have a little bitterness towards Japanese. Um, it's generational trauma. Well, there's probably not a person that can't date to an ancestor that they would have known that wasn't killed by the party in Ukraine. Yeah. That's a lot to reflect on. I can look through my generations and I can't think of one ancestor, one great uncle or any of that 
that was purposely killed by my government. Yeah. That's a good thing. And there's probably not one Ukrainian that can't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, recognizing the history that they have, it does spin a different light on what's happening over there. And, and well, it makes you wonder why you got the Azov Battalion. Yeah. Why you got groups in Western Ukraine that are kind of partial to, you know, the old Nazis. Anyway. You had many Ukrainians that joined them. We're sorry. <laughs> Next week's show, we're going to find a funny one. We'll do ghosts or something. No, uh, I've got a couple I'm thinking about. I'm sure Betsy does too. I do. I've got a little list that does not include the grossness. Yeah, we'll do aliens. We need a good alien show. And we need to we need to go out to Roosevelt and, uh, and visit with Mr. Lone Bear in person. And uh, have a look at that gate at the at the, uh, the old Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch, and have a look. I want to see, I want to see Bottle Hollow. That's we've got, got to go to Moon Lake. Got to go to Moon Lake. Dad called me following our last show, when the one that we did on Moon Lake, and he was like, "There's way more weird things that happen at Moon Lake, you know." You got to go there on a full moon. So let's plan a time to go to Moon Lake on a full moon. Perfect. We'll plan it. Everyone, we'll camp. Thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry about the horrendousness. This is a quicker show, though. Yeah. When it's this ugly, even we can't hang on. That's right. Got to go. Know? You got to go fast. It, Speak fast. Get to the point. It's awful. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Ay, ay, ay. Well, like they say, history is there to learn from the past mistakes and not repeat them in the future. Ryan, if only that should, were true, maybe you should <laughs> tell that to our dear leaders. <laughs> Shirley said, I love you guys. We love you too. Shirley, we need to have you back on because we hear there's more activity to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, have a great week. Yes. Have a great week. We will talk to you guys next week.